who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Uh, before we get started, we just have a few announcements. We do. Um, first and foremost, if you didn't see on social media, uh, we are selling our limited edition Be the Thing That Monsters Have Nightmares About t-shirt. It is in navy blue this time for the first time. Um, it will only be up in our store through January 27th. And all of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, will be going to help out Australia as they recover from devastating fires. Um, so get on over there, grab yourself a t-shirt, and know that all of those profits will be um, heading to uh, benefit those in Australia. If you're listening to this in Australia, our thoughts have been with you um, and our efforts will continue to be with you. So um, we are so sorry to see everything that is happening uh, over there to you all. On a much lighter note, I'm pleased to report to you our findings from our last survey of everyone's opinion about the sexual tension episode from the previous episode. (laughs) Coming in with a despicable pitiful five percent of the vote it's riley and sandy the only thing people hate more than riley is riley and sandy i guess if only we had remembered when sandy was sired which we'll talk about in the main episode we could have probably gotten away with nominating sandy and vampire willow and for that i am so sorry (laughs) Mm, yes we have failed you but alas (laughs) we cannot turn back time we can only blaze boldly forward to the third place slot with 18% of the vote, Xander and Riley. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, it looks bad, but also Riley's got a total 23% of the vote, uh, which is probably a record for him. <laughs> In second place, with 33% of the vote, a clean third, we've got Gloria and Buffy doing what we respectfully refer to as the Patrick Swayze. And in first place, rightfully so, as we all knew, it's the only way things could have gone with 44% of the vote. It's Glory 
and her shoes. Yeah. Mountain of shoes from Aldo and other parts unknown. Congratulations, Glory. Congratulations, shoes. I'm not sure exactly how many trophies we have to have. A little a lot, apparently, Maybe, if we're giving every shoe. It, it, does each shoe or does each pair of does a pair of shoes share a trophy or I think that would I think that would work. Um I would I would actually propose to um our trophy maker, if you're listening, I would really love to custom uh custom make these trophies for Glory and her shoes. Can we please shape this one as a <laughs> high heeled shoe for, for sure, these winners? Sure, sure. Thank you so much, trophy maker. <laughs> Um, Jenny, it is time for uh, something that shoes are usually not, which is a spooky, a spooky. Okay, um, Jenny, I'm going to start off this spooky news um, by saying that I found this spooky news and I found it to go along as best I could with today's episode, a discussion yeah. where we uh, find an extraterrestrial in Sunnydale. So I'd like to begin by asking you, Jenny, if you know where the band The Foo Fighters got their name from. Ooh. Ooh, I can't remember, but it has something to do with aliens, I right? mean... <laughs> No, but like I like that that rings a like bell of confirmation in my mind. Right. Okay. So anything else? So in the middle of I'm reading um, I'm reading this from an article in New York Magazine uh, back in 2018. The article is uh, titled "13 Reasons to Believe Aliens Are Real." So I found the title alone very appealing. Um, nice. This tiny little segment is on Foo Fighters, so I'm going to tell you about them. In the middle of World War II, things took a mysterious turn for Air Force pilots flying over. Overnight missions. They reported seeing lights chasing their aircrafts. The number varied. Sometimes it was one, other times 10, and so did the colors red, orange, green. But they moved very fast, up to 200 miles an hour, and could dart on a dime. And the pilots, among the world's best pilots, admitted that the objects generally flew circles around them. Uh, In 1944, a crew flying along the Rhine in Germany described seeing eight to 10 bright orange lights. Uh, Neither ground control nor their own planes caught anything on their radar, and when one pilot turned toward them, they reportedly disappeared. They called the mystery air companions Foo Fighters, which was an inside (laughs) joke based on a phrase the comic book character Smokey Stover used to declare, where there's foo, there's fire. Uh, The term flying saucer hadn't caught on yet, or else they probably would have used that. So um, this is one of many, 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 many experiences of multiple reports of very similar things. Um, But this, I thought, was a fun uh, piece of spooky extraterrestrial news, since it also is where the band Foo Fighters took uh, inspiration for their name. Great. Yes. A hundred percent. Great. So everyone and Jenny, that has been your spooky news. I think I'm appropriately spooked. (laughs) Just a couple more things. Just want to remind you all that our live taping in April at the Bell House is sold out, but we still have tickets available for prom. If you are interested in getting up into some formal or not so formal or more like cosplay than formal or cosplay and formal at the same time kind of wear and partying the night away with us in April at the Bell House at prom, 
Just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on events, you can get all the information and details about how to get tickets and whatnot there. Hell yes. And last but not least, um, we have some things happening over in Patreon land. Jenny, uh, February 22nd, you have a concert coming up. You're going to play some songs for us? I am going to play some songs. That concert will be happening um, on our secret Facebook page um, because Jenny will be streaming from, I guess, your house. Um, but yes. uh, who knows? You could be in a field somewhere. Well, I do what I want. You do you do indeed do what you want. Um, I also want to let everyone know that we've added something really fun to Patreon, which is that in addition to our Facebook page, we now also have a Slack. Uh, we just, just invited our patrons to to join us in a shared Slack space yesterday. And I will tell you, I will report to you, Jenny, that within the span of just a few hours, the custom emojis of a heart that says five by five, a vampire steak, a green mug, a Buffy will patrol tonight. These are all <laughs> custom emojis available to our users in Slack, all made by you all because you're all oh. incredible. I um, love you all. It's, yeah, it's, it's already a How really fun you? space. And um, a lot of people who were not participating in things in the secret Facebook group are really excited um, because they are able to participate in the community for the first time. We've got a ton of different little sub channels that you can join, um, and that's growing. There's a channel just for fans of uh, Winona Earp. There's a channel for spoilers, and people are very excited about spoiling everything in that channel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that is now open to everyone who joins our Patreon, uh, as well as all the other things that were there. Um, you can go oh, to buffering. Yeah. yeah the vampire slayer.com. Um, just click on Patreon and all that information will be there for you. Hooray. Okay. That's all the pre-business. Let's get in to the main business. Woo. Let us, let us go listen to some squealing many toothed bugs. No. Listen, you can't, I can't hit every single one every single first time I take that breath. I just know that like alongside me, our listeners, like the, I am our listeners in this exchange. So I know that everyone was like so ready for it. And then we all were like, <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes a little anticipation in life and um, cultivating patience can be a virtue, but hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. This week, we are talking about Season 5, Episode 9, Listening to Fear. Could also be called Looking at a Bug and Feeling grossed out stay called please hold while i dry heave <laughs> stay tuned to the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by jenny recapping the buffy episode that we are discussing you know what comes next if you haven't started listening to angel on top 
hosted by Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach. You should. Uh, I was on a recent episode called Darla, and I'm about to be on <laughs> another episode called The Trial. So I'm basically honorary third co-host at this point. What the hell? Yeah, sorry, Jenny. Taking over. I don't know what happened there. I'm going to have to write a strongly worded text <laughs> message or series thereof. Listening to Fear was... Written by Rebecca Rand Kirshner, whose name I have seen about a thousand times in the last month since I've been watching the entirety of Gilmore Girls, oh. and directed by David Solomon, and originally aired on November 28th, 2000, just six days after I This is the one. <laughs> This is the one where this comes from IMDb. As Joyce's sickness makes her begin doing odd things, a demon emerges from a meteorite and begins killing the mentally ill. Um, this is the one with a giant squealing shelled bug with a mouth that is worse. I'm going to say so it. Terrible. It's, it's, it's worse. It's way worse than the master. Well, you know how I feel about the master's mouth. The I know, but the master walked so this bug could run. Oh, God. I mean, the thing is, so the master's mouth bothers me for many reasons. Um, but what the master does not have, which this Queller demon does have, is multiple rows of teeth, which cool. is... And they're all, like, outside of its mouth for some reason. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. I prefer multiple rows of teeth to only be present in vagina dentata. Uh, elsewhere, <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> Uh, noted. <laughs> so, hey, previously on Buffering the Vampire Slayer, we <laughs> fucked up because it's Sandy from Doppelganger. Oh my god, it's fucking Sandy. How dare we have fucked up so horribly. And uh, bless if, all of you eagle eyes out there who corrected us. Yeah, and some people realizing for the first time, because of uh, those of you who pointed that out for us, if you weren't following us on social media, why not? Perhaps you hate social media, in which case, great job. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you who didn't see it, um, Sandy the Vamp, who um, sucked on a little bit of Riley blood last episode, is um, Sandy, who was sired by Vampire Willow in oh my God. The Wish. Isn't it wild that if a vampire comes to our reality from an alternate reality, I'm just putting us in the Buffyverse for oh, the sake yeah. of this. Okay. I mean, Jesus, if an alien bug can be in the Buffy verse this episode, I think we can be in it too. <laughs> Surely we can. So isn't it wild then that a vampire from an alternate reality could come into our reality, sire another vampire, be sent back to its own reality, and then that vampire that it made here stays behind? It's like when a butterfly flaps its wings. Oh. Causing a, a little bit of a dust to kick up, which causes a bird to take off from a tree yes which causes an antelope to start running which a, causes a whole herd of antelope to start running uh, which actually uh jenny it's it's called it's called the, the matchstick Willow girl effect, effect. So. <laughs> okay we're both doing pretty good <laughs> um just two comedians talking about buffy the vampire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so there's sandy good thing they Reminded us in the previously on that 
her name is Sandy so that we could. Ooh, yeah. Uh, sorry, everyone, for dropping the Sandy ball. Uh, that was our bad. But um, we're, we picked it up. We picked her up. And I'd like to actually give a shout out to Sandy. Um, I'm, I was glad to see her in the previous land for this reason, but also because she has the most beautiful manicure um, of all time. Oh. And yeah. And so I just like want to give her some credit where credit is due. She's visiting the salon where uh, the master and several other demons uh, yes. frequent. Yes. And um, yes. she's gone for some gel polish and it's looking it's looking hot great work sandy fantastic well then in this episode (laughs) right at the top we've got summer's girls visiting joys in the hospital dawn's doing a little bit about hooves in gelatin i um i did some research actually some jello research it seemed called for uh uh-huh, uh-huh. so uh, if you're if you've forgotten um joyce is basically like i don't eat anything that wiggles which is like pretty pretty fair i think uh and dawn is like yo my friend told me that um jello is made from cow hooves and that there's a bunch of like cows out there without hooves it's not funny i'm sorry to all of uh, mm-hmm. us that love animals it's not funny it's just it's funny that dawn thinks that this is what would happen uh, to the cows. (laughs) So this is like, do you remember this in the 90s? Because this was like straight up what I thought for years and years and years. Like this is... Yeah, the number of times that I said this uh, while I was a vegetarian and then later a vegan, um, I couldn't count. Right. So it's it's sort of like it's it's a stretch on a truth um, that like uh, the the urban legend, if you will, is this. But um, it, it does... The collagen in gelatin does come from like boiling the bones and the hides of animals uh, that, you know, have already been used for their meat. But it's never hooves. Hooves actually, Jenny, contain a different protein, keratin, um, which cannot produce gelatin. So it's uh, just adamantly untrue. Um, I also like I know that you're not here for jello, everyone. I know that you're not. But I found out the process of what they do with the gelatin. Oh, my Um, God. It's just really interesting, okay? So to make Jell-O, which is a brand name, whatever, it's just become like Kleenex, you know? You you heat the gelatin in water, and the heating breaks the bonds that hold the collagen together. Then next, you cool the gelatin, and so then the collagen strands rebond in a network, but with water trapped inside, which is what gives it its semi-solid properties. It's what makes it jiggly. So like... Science is all I'm saying. That's cool science as as I remain firmly anti-Jello, but that's pretty cool. I was going to ask you what your feelings are on Jello. I wish that I was. I'm not. I would eat Jello anytime. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It got in. It got in in the 90s and it's never gotten out. Okay. Hmm. So um, more importantly or, or equally important, depending on how you feel about Jell-O science, um, a few things. Uh, you know, I think that the scene is like to paint how supportive both John and Buffy are being to Joyce, the closeness of their relationship, especially because we know where this episode is headed, you know, at the end of the episode with with Joyce and Dawn and we'll get there. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's an important place to begin because Dawn is literally in bed with Joyce um and and the underlining of the closeness of their relationship is important also uh we find out that Joyce is having surgery the day after tomorrow when the doctor walks in I don't know his actual name but what I heard was Dr. Crinkle so I will be calling him Dr. Crinkle moving forward Dr. Crinks (laughs) Dr. Crinks yeah and um Joyce is like 
concerned that she might not be able to reschedule volleyball, but she'll figure it out. Uh, this is like that. She, I'm glad that you said that because I thought when she made that joke, like, oh, it's like kind of where Buffy gets her quips from, you know, like this is like mm. a mom level quip. Um, yeah. Hereditary quips. Yeah. Uh, but she's going like stir bananas. But Donna and Buffy are very heroically committed to keeping her entertained. During this frustrating time. Truly. I can't wait until Willow arrives later with her commitment to keeping Joyce entertained. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but before that, um, we get the also the seed planted in this um, first scene that Riley and the Scoobies are working to let her be with her mom. And um, we'll get to Riley and where he actually is in a second. But I do think that this episode is really important for that as well because this is one of the first times that we really see them multiple times want to call Buffy and be like, no, no, we yeah. are not. Um, and that is, I think it's really important and it's really wonderful and it's really powerful that they are really holding space for her um, and her family's needs at this point. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's, well, almost everybody's chipping in <laughs> uh, to pick up the slack, which we promptly see evidence of Giles and Xander getting whooped getting rightly whooped yo this lady vamp is ripped she is ripped she came right off the wwe circuit to like fucking That's right. vamp land um wow i know we've been talking about wrestling moves a lot lately but it has only just occurred to me to consider the, the possibilities of a wwe wrestler being fired i think that's what we're seeing here <laughs> just saying she has uh like xander in one arm and uh giles in the other pinned against the mausoleum and willow yep, yep. who is looking fantastic in a pink <laughs> corduroy like fuzzily lined jacket it's really great she's already dusted one vamp and she comes up behind this uh lady wrestler vamp and stakes her as well and she's so proud of herself yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, how often does she get two in in one night? <laughs> that Probably is never. I said. So, ah, okay. <laughs> so, um, also, Giles picks up his glasses from the grass and like dusts uh -huh. them off and puts them back on his face, which led me to wonder, Jenny, how many pairs of glasses do you think Giles has in his line of work? Because mm. <laughs> probably they're not broken somehow in this scene, but they probably get broken a lot. We've never seen them break, though. It's true. Do you think they're, like, made of some metaphysical, metaphysical, if you will? Watcher, watcher specs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love that even though he is beaten and bruised, and probably his ego is also a little bruised, uh, Giles doesn't let that stand in the way of him giving a very thorough cleaning to those glasses. <laughs> uh, it's classic. It's... It's complete and comprehensive. Mm -hmm. Getting off the mud and the vamp dust, uh, all with some swipes of his shirt. And meanwhile, across town, Riley is getting his arm sucked on by a lady vampire in a den of iniquity in what we can all, I think, agree is the great character assassination campaign of Riley Finn. 
2000. Yeah. So Jenny, you brought up um, character assassination last episode and I made us cut it out because we had only seen that Riley um, had done this with Sandy. And I felt it was important for us to see that he had this vamp now on his arm, which I wrote a little dad joke down in my notes, Jenny. Um, Please. This this vampire gives a whole new meaning to the term arm candy. Boo! <laughs> um, but now I think that we're seeing that this is um, at the very least a pattern for Riley. Um, I think there's space to talk about the extremity of this choice for this character. And and you know how I feel about Riley, despite Mark Lucas charming me in person. Um, I, I do think that Riley struggles with some stuff, some power dynamics, and I think that manifests in some ways that are unfortunate. And we've seen those and we've talked about those. I find this to be, I agree with you, Jenny. I think that this is a bit out of our character of Riley. Yeah, and- I mean, it's really just... Uh, reeks of a writer's room. <laughs> it's just like with everything that we know, like and what we've seen this season up to this point, like there's just not enough. Well, and I think I, I sort of made mention of this, I think, last episode, but you know, Riley went through some really traumatic stuff. And I think that like had this been some of the actions that he took and and maybe we can really stretch it and be like, well, it's just manifesting now. But it's like this would maybe have been more believable to me as a choice that Riley would have made if it was a bit closer to when he learned about the initiative, when when Maggie died, when, you know, like when he was really just yeah. like when he had like chemicals inside of his body, when he learned there was a chip, when Forrest died, like all of these things yeah. sort of like caused him to really go through turmoil. And we watched that. And this feels like it belongs in that period of time um, and now you know he he seems to have been like really moving through a lot of stuff and growing as a character so so anyway not to put too fine a point on it but I agree with you is all I'm trying to say not buying it yeah then it's the credits and hey I just want to take a moment out in the middle of an episode when there are disgusting space bugs with like multiple rows of exposed teeth <laughs> and Riley's getting sucked on by a vampire Mm. and Joyce is going into surgery that, hey, it's really nice to see Buffy and Faith continuing to dance (laughs) in the credits. (laughs) Lovely, Jenny. Oh, just that cheered me right up. Made me forget all about those bugs and hospital trips entirely. Yeah. You know what else is great for morale? tiny Jewish lady Santa. Oh my God. I love, I love Willow casting herself as tiny Jewish lady Santa. And I love even more after Buffy gets her gift, which is her homework that she looks at Willow and (laughs) says, I don't believe in tiny Jewish Santa anymore. (laughs) It's a really cute little back and forth. Listen, I'm not going to spend too much time on the wardrobe. I promise So we don't have Kate in this episode. And the ends of Willow's sleeves are literally just a giant pile of threads like a if she's anywhere near (laughs) miss kitty fantastico miss kitty fantastico is losing it and b if she's literally trying to do anything in the world it is impeded by these slaves so i'm upset about them but would you say that they're festive they are festive yeah would you say they're appropriate for a tiny jewish lady santa (laughs) yes yes okay fair fine um i 
find Willow bringing Joyce a beer helmet in the hospital to be like highly relatable content for <laughs> me in, in in the same age bracket that they're all in now. This is exactly the sort of bullshit nonsense nobody needs that I would have been all about. And Joyce is so uh, gracious yeah, I- in her acceptance of it. I didn't think that um, this would be the second time that Faith got brought up in the episode. I thought it would be the first. You surprised me with your credit shout out because all I thought of in this moment when when Joyce is like, it's perfect, was Faith being like, it's crappy, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> and Joyce, like, how many times has Joyce had to just be like, it's a lovely gift, honey? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So um, also just really, really cute here, um, Willow giving Dawn this book of spells that doesn't actually have any spells in it. And right, Dawn is right. so excited to read it and learn. Yeah. Um, and also Buffy got a yo-yo. Yeah. Were you a yo-yoer? Not just homework, Jenny. I was a hell of a yo-yoer. Yeah. Could you do tricks? Could you walk the dog? I could walk the dog <laughs> and uh, what's the cradle one? Oh, cat. Rock the baby. Oh, the rock. Dog. Yes, yes. Where the you sort of like the string is a shape and then the yo-yos in between. Is tr- it a little triangle? Yeah. yeah no, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I could and do- around the world. Did you say that already? <laughs> no. Uh, walk the dog. Uh, walk the walk dog the around dog, the world. Around the world. Yeah, I could do none of rock that. rock the baby. I could barely get the yo-yo to come back up the string one time. Um, so then we take a turn from the fun and light into a a pretty dark place with Joyce here. We've been told, as Buffy's been told, that, like, she may have outbursts because of the tumor that's pressing on her brain. Um, but they really, you know, the writers really, I think, explicitly chose for her outbursts to be these things that are explicitly not Joyce, the Joyce we know. Yeah. And explicitly like really vulnerable and uncomfortable for her daughters to hear in every instance. Right. And so like the first one is this, she says, I'd rip it in half and stick it in bed with me. And it's just this like very um, aggressive and possibly like sexual, like it's, it's unclear of course, what she's saying. um, I think, unless it's clear to you, Jenny. Um, Uh, No, but it's, it's, I'm, I have uh, people close in my life, but one person in particular whose mom is going through um, suffering from dementia right now. And she's in the really like end stages of dementia. And so she's not having outbursts like this, but she does say things that don't make sense and um, is doing things. And, and I went up to like see her mom. And I don't mean to like bring this into like a super, super dark place, but I just want to say that like that um experience of being the child to a parent who is not well does have this like uh rawness to it that is really hard to explain and it's very Mm. jarring and it's very intense and I think that in a small span of time with these like little lines the writers are really giving us that um and I think that I think that they do a really good job of it I don't like to watch it I don't like to see it I don't think any of us like to see it but I do think that it encapsulates this experience that so many people do have with their parents in one way or another when they're ill and when their illness is impacting their um their brain and their mind yeah so as soon as the words have left her mouth basically Joyce kind of like snaps out of that mode and kind of looks like she doesn't know what's going on right and uh right just says she's gonna take a rest so the girls leave 
so Buffy can have this little conversation with with Dawn about like what's going on, and she tells Dawn about like how the tumor is pressing on Joyce's brain and might make her say weird stuff. And after the operation, there'll be no more pressing. And she doesn't know what she's saying when she's saying that stuff. And then just as they're getting through this, <laughs> just as they're getting through this little bit of reassurance, a security guard who we saw Glory suck the brains out of mm-hmm. not too long ago comes by and he's uh, clearly been a patient of the hospital. He's being sent home. He sees Dawn and starts pointing at her saying there's nothing there. There's no data. Mm-hmm. All very disturbing, especially right on the heels of what just happened with Joyce. Yeah, this is a really hard episode for Dawn. Um, she's really, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, maybe I'll speak to it now. I think it's really totally inappropriate that they send Joyce home with, right? uh, with them. It's totally, I mean, well, and, and actually this is a, maybe a good point to bring it up because I, I also find it to be totally unbelievable. And I'm sure that those of you in the medical profession will agree. I hope that you will agree that in a situation where a hospital does not have space for its uh, patients, that they're not going to send the ones with families home. Um, This security guard, his arc is that he is sent home with his family because he has a family, not because he is okay to be sent home. And then of course he wanders out into the woods and dies. Um, So I think maybe a little bit more plausibility in the medical sphere could could be helpful in the storyline, but it is what it is. Um, and maybe we'll learn from our medical people that um, things like this do happen because also, you know, uh, health insurance and our health industry in this country is kind of a mess. So who knows? But what I... Especially where mental health is concerned a lot of the time yes. but at least we don't have uh terrifying space bugs well we think we don't i mean so far as we know so far as we know yeah um and yeah to your point about like mental health this is a, a sort of a plot line of this season right is that and we and we're really getting into it this episode and some of the scenes here reminded me of um the like one flew over the cuckoo's nest um with the nurse sort of like in the other room and she like leaves as the patient is telling her not to and the patients are um you know restrained in their beds um and and just the the overall treatment of mental health is I'm at this point going to say like I'm finding it interesting because on the one hand you can look at it as a reflection of how under-recognized mental health is in our medical system and just world in general but on the other hand like is the show treating it the way that it should be treated I think it's a discussion that we'll have as the season goes on but we're putting a pin in it for now or at least I am. Um, uh, yes, put a pin in it because hey, <laughs> paging, paging Dr. Dr. Ben. <laughs> uh, looking good, Ben. Mm. That shampoo commercial hair is looking so good. <laughs> uh, classic dude rolling up line. Was that guy bothering you? Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, if he's done, I'd like to start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there it is. You've queued us up for a beautiful jingle, Jenny. <laughs> the patriarchy. Hey, Ben doesn't even deserve it. He's no, just being but a nice you're, boy. it wasn't really for Ben. It was but, more for your comment <laughs> <yeah>. on men. <laughs> uh, moving briskly away from any and all comments on men. Truly. 
Oh. Willow and Tara are looking at the stars. Queer ladies on a rooftop with their thermos pointing out the stars. This is really sweet um, because, so, you know, Tara has named the constellations her own names, which is really cute. But before we get there, um, Willow says, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, some of the stars we're looking at don't even exist anymore. In the time that it takes for their light to reach us, they've died, exploded. Tara immediately, like, I'm sorry, but this is like a truly representative emotional exchange between uh, two beautiful queer women where Tara's like, so were things rough at the hospital, babe? Because <laughs> <laughs> talking about stars dying before their light reaches us or after their light reaches us. So I'm thinking maybe there's some other stuff going on. Um, yeah. And then Willow points out a couple constellations and Tara starts pointing out some constellations that Willow's never heard of because, of course, they are all (laughs) constellations Tara has made up. And while I was watching her point to things she called uh, Moose getting a sponge bath and Pile O' Crackers. Little Pile O' Crackers. I was like, right, right, right. (laughs) Pile O' Crackers minor. I was like, damn, She's not even trying. These constellations don't make any sense with regard to, like, the stars that she's pointing out. And then I was like, hang on. Actually, save for the Little Dipper and the Big Dipper. None of the Our constellations kind of suck. They don't (laughs) suck. But they're just, like, not, like, tethered. It's not like if you didn't have a book or a person telling you what to look for, that you would, like, pick it out naturally, with the exception of the dippers. Right, exactly. They're, like, dots that are then connected, that are then sort of, like, uh, exacerbated, exaggerated, whatever. Um, So I'm on board. Extrapolated? Extrapolated? Yeah, maybe that's the E word I'm looking for. But I'm on board for um, (laughs) for Tara's. I would like a full rundown of all of Tara's constellations. Please, please, please. (laughs) please and then through the sky comes a bird a plane no it's superman a huge flaming meteor about to crash into something (laughs) have you ever noticed that no one on this show can ever do anything nice or peaceful like if you see characters enjoying a quiet moment doing something like looking up at the sky you can bet something flaming (laughs) is about to fall out of that sky (laughs) something's gonna blow up they can never you can never relax in sunnydale I beg of no one to relax in this episode because we were about to turn the corner into the squealing face of our Queller ah! demon. So the security guard, as I mentioned, has been uh, released from the hospital completely inappropriately. He has wandered out probably when his family fell asleep. Um, and he is headed directly towards where this meteor crashed. Well, it's not a meteor. It's a egg. I don't know. They don't, they're not really clear on what the vessel is the Queller sure. crashed in. But this Queller guy, Queller demon has hatched out of its thing and uh, jumps out of the tree. Is that where he is? A tree at first? Well, it like crawls out of the meteor. It it crawls over to a tree that it is strategically placed just beyond where the guy is walking. So it kind of like gets up and out on a limb so that it can drop down on the guy at just the right moment. 
it's it's got really incredible talent at suctioning two things upside down. Oh yeah. Uh, it reminded me like it creeped me out in a way that triggered my memory of a Clockwork Orange with the baby on the ceiling. Do you remember what I'm talking about? How could you not, really? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. And the other incredible ability, extraterrestrial ability that this queller demon has is that no one sees this mammoth baby bug with arms stuck stuck to the ceiling we need to talk about it when we actually get to places where it's on the ceiling because (laughs) in like well-lit hospital hallways (laughs) (laughs) okay so well that's the next scene because right after the queller demon i mean here's the um let me be transparent with everybody the reason i'm struggling a little bit to figure out where exactly the queller demon is and what the scenes are is because i usually take really detailed notes but it it appears (laughs) that as soon as the queller demon came on the screen all i wrote was bug view no bug ah no bug on <laughs> ceiling no so <laughs> great it's a little unclear but i think we go to the hospital great. and i think it's now on the ceiling okay can i tell you a couple things please before we talk about how ridiculous it is that it's up on the ceiling and nobody sees it yes <laughs> okay so two people are part of the performance of the queller demon The first is Debbie Lee Carrington, who I got super pumped when I started down this Wikipedia rabbit hole, because you may have seen her as a Martian rebel named Thumbelina in Total Recall. Whoa. A movie that I've watched about a thousand times. You may have seen her as a freaking Ewok in Return of the Jedi. What? And you may have seen her playing Valerie Vomit in the Garbage Pail Kids stop it. movie. I can't stop it. That it's is the literally truth. the best resume I've ever heard of in my entire life. I know, life. right? <laughs> she fucking rocks. She's she's been in so like her resume is bananas. But when I saw like Thumbelina in Total Recall, I was like, holy fuck! Wow. Uh, Debbie Lee Carrington unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, but she was an actor and a stunt woman and. One half of the team that brought the Queller Demon to life. So the other half yeah. of the team. What did they do? Uh, did they did they just share the role or, or like did it's, they? So it's not specified in anything that I could find. It may have been like they needed to do additional shoots and maybe there was a scheduling conflict for the first person who worked on it. Or it may have to do with something very specific that they each have to offer. Barbara C. Adside, who is the other person who performed as the Queller Demon, is a stunt woman who was born without legs. Oh, So wow. I think that it's possible that because of some of the stuff they have the Queller Demon doing, uh-huh. that uh, Barbara may have been able to do stuff that Debbie couldn't. Wow. Wow. Look at you with your research. I This is uh, quite a bit speculative because I couldn't find too much about it. Right. But well, if I you know anything, or if you know that. how is Barbara still yeah. alive? Because we could find out more. I would like to know more about the Queller Demon. Um, actually, a cursory googling yielded articles like "Whatever happened to Barbara C. Adside?" and okay. "Where is Barbara C. Adside <laughs> now?" So, uh, Barbara may uh, have retired from the biz. That's I'm not it. really sure. Okay. Wow. Okay. So 
we go into Joyce's room and this is where they're having her go home. Um, and I, I don't understand this uh, in so many ways. Buffy looks very overwhelmed at this prospect, although she wants to like give her mom what she wants. It just seems like she's overwhelmed. I can read it. I, I assume I know that the doctor can read it. Um, she's been given all these like sedatives and meds to take care of her mom. It's a lot even just for Buffy to do with Joyce, but also the fact that Dawn is in the house and like is yeah, pretty traumatized not, by the yeah. fact that her mom is not okay. Like it just seems like a bad idea all around. Yes. Um, I 100%. Mean, yeah. So... Dawn is sent out uh, of the room and she goes to read her spell book and yeah, fucking, I don't know what noise, what noise do you think that the Queller demon makes as it suctions itself across the ceiling? Just like a. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I quit. It's like you think that the Queller demon is bad enough and then you find out that its special ability is to puke. (laughs) <laughs> fucking goop all over people's faces. <laughs> like, what are it's they trying bad. to do to us here? We just got over it's the snake bad. with arms. Now we have a fucking many-toothed puke demon. Jesus, from outer okay. space? Okay. Before before we can talk about <laughs> whatever it is throwing up into people's mouths. First, the Scooby crew, including Riley this time, has to head out to the meteorite zone. Oh, right. We didn't even say that Riley didn't, like, that Xander was very upset. Um, Oh, yeah. Xander in particular was very Uh uh, pissed off about it. I wonder why. My note is Xander's mad at his boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Riley has rejoined the group. They're all examining the meteor impact site and Anya asks if it's hot because if and says if there's radiation you could all go sterile and the look on Riley's face and Xander's like panicked run are pretty priceless (laughs) no not our sperm (laughs) not our precious seed (laughs) which I mean sorry I said that but also fair I yeah, that's okay. Totally. <laughs> it's funny to think about Xander in particular because he just seems so far away from any potential uh, parenthood or additional well, responsibility. But you bring up a good point, Jenny, is that like I'm not sure that the uh, reason for honoring one's uh, sperm is always rooted in wanting to be a future parent. Um, right. There's the whole power dynamic of... Uh, I mean, we saw that when they, like, played with that with Spike and his, like, impotence as a vampire, remember? It's like, there's that whole... I can't believe... I I was just saying how the episodes hadn't really been bringing us to the patriarchy jingle a lot lately, but here we are again! The patriarchy! (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to just devil's advocate. Uh, at you for a second because I think like I think what's happening here has less to do (laughs) I know I'm always this person on our podcast now (laughs) to me this has less to do with a power dynamic and more to do with the like weird biological imperative mechanisms that start like firing in your brain when you're kind of like 
an adult who's like too young to be thinking about it in terms of like, one day I will have a family and I would like my sperm to be healthy. So to help with that process. So you're saying uh, that Xander's like, I'm not a girl, not <laughs> yet a woman. I'm saying I don't think we'd see, I don't think we'd see like 12 or 13 year old boys be like, my, my, my sperm. Sure. You know? Well, right. I think, okay, whatever. I, I can't, I literally did not. I don't know how I imagined we wouldn't spend four hours on Xander's sperm this episode, but yet. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite topic. I, I do think that part of Xander jumping behind Anya is about his manhood, if you will, uh, not necessarily connected to parenting, but the, and power is a, is a very big word to use, but I think that there's something about Xander and it's more than Riley because like Riley is like concerned but he's more concerned with like you know this alien bug that just dropped from the sky Uh, whereas Xander's like no (laughs) my special manhood (laughs) Um, anyway okay so it's like very clear that something hatched out of that meteor yeah, it's hollow. Um, and, and Willow is like, so something bad came inside of it, obviously. They're like, let's see if we can figure out where it went. And then they stumble upon this security guard who is dead. And oh, is it Riley? Yeah, who like opens his mouth and pulls. This reminded me, not to like keep connecting things to other things, but I guess that's what a podcast is. But this reminded me of um, Silence of the Lambs when they pull the... Um, the worm, oh yeah, or the, the death's head uh, moth, the moth, the worm, the the moth, right, the moth cocoon out of one of the victims' mouths. Ugh. And we yeah, don't get a yeah. lot. You know what I realized? We don't get a lot of smell on this show. Um, yeah, that's true. Right? It's like wh- although they did just go to the dump earlier. That's true in the season. That's true. But usually the demons and death and things like that they're presented as visual cues to the characters, you know, like they see somebody who's dead or they whatever. Mm-hmm. Um it's not as common for us to see all of them collectively like retract in horror from the smell of whatever has just been removed from the mouth of this man. Yeah, yeah. So Riley's like, I'd like to stay with the body, please. I'd like to do a little bit of uh, research on the body. And they're like, okay, man, whatever. And they go to do (laughs) their research. Uh, And then, of course, Riley calls the initiative. But not before Willow, while walking away, says, very fairly, I don't want to be the one that finds the bodies anymore. (laughs) Seriously. Like, she's done enough. She does. Willow has really great lines in this episode. Uh, in the first scene of, with her and the jacket uh, slaying the vamps, after she slays them, she says something like, um, my knees feel dizzy, which I just thought yeah. was like, that is the most beautiful, like, it just is like the coolest line. Most of us work really hard to manage our time well enough to cook healthy meals, but life gets overwhelming. There are errands to run, vampires to slay extraterrestrial beings to investigate. Luckily, there's Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They are fresh. They are never frozen. They are chef-crafted and dietitian approved And here's the best part. They're ready to go in just two minutes. Absolutely no cooking required. Having a selection of these meals in our fridge over the past few weeks has been a game-changer. My wife and I are eating healthier and ordering takeout less, and this is not just about dinner. Factor offers over 35 different meal options to choose from each week with more than 60 add-ons. So there's breakfast, there's midday bites, and more. 
I have to admit, I was hesitant at first. I've never had a ready-to-eat meal that made me feel good, and I have been astounded at how delicious each meal and snack from Factor has tasted. The difference is entirely because they're not frozen. They taste as fresh as if you'd made them yourself. They're also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com buffering50 and use code buffering50 to get 50% off. That's code buffering50 at factormeals.com buffering50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Cool. Here we are um, in the scene where we learn the power of the Queller demon is to okay. puke on people. So, right, it throws up this, like, clear, viscous nonsense into the faces of these people who, I guess, can't do anything about it because their hands are restrained. Yeah. Now, so how this- does this demon get by in places where I- uh, people... <laughs> Its victims' arms aren't restrained, right? Because it's wondering. Its arms are very small and seem not very uh, efficient. Um, but let's just can we just talk about the ethos of the Queller Demon? Is that what you call it? Like its story? It's it's because I don't really. I know who that. is the Queller Demon really? Because it's like so we are to believe in a, in a large, uh, broadly painted brush stroke here that glory needs to live by sucking something out of the brains of people but not everything because they're alive still and when this happens they become able to it would seem see things that other people cannot see like for example all of them have looked at dawn and said there's nothing there there's no data so she's Mm -hmm. pulling something out of them and we don't know what it is and then the antidote which is 
really fucked up because it's like, so what do we do then? And we find out, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but we find out that Ben, bum, 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 has summoned this Queller demon. So Ben is like, I'm going to clean up Glory's mess. And by Glory's mess, he's referring to the people who are left behind. And the way I'm going to clean that up is by summoning a space bug who, when the bug lands on Earth, will vomit viscous fluid on these patients so that they die. And therefore, we've cleaned up the, quote, mess. So not very compatible with the Hippocratic Oath, Ben. (laughs) I mean, this is like a really... I just, there's a lot in here that, like, is upsetting uh, when we talk about mental health. There's also a lot in here that's, like, just kind of messy in, like, a storytelling sort of a way. So, ah, feeling a little bit like that jello about this Queller demon. A little wiggly, if you will. Yeah. Okay. So... The doctor lets Buffy know as they're releasing (laughs) Joyce from the hospital that uh, she has a lot of things. She has the medicine. She has his home phone number. Oh, my God. What what were you cackling? Are you cackling because you're uh, getting ready for the what I call the Queller Peak? The Queller Peak? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the camera sort of like pans out. And as it does, we hear Joyce, who's had another outburst. She says, you look just like your father when he cries. And what do you think he was begging for? It's another one of these like lines that's like, Jesus Christ. Like there's so much in there that is totally uprooted, uh, uprooting for Buffy and Dawn and whatever. And then right on the heels of that line, we get your favorite scene, I think, in the series, Jenny. Dude. Yeah, this is it. Uh, (laughs) So the hospital hallway... The well-lit hospital hallway with ceilings that are not that high. Not that, not high at all. Uh, but the, the hallway is broken up by these, like, sort of segments of molding where, like, <laughs> who, know, who knows why? It seems like they were only constructed so that the Queller demon would have a place to do its upside-down peekaboo bullshit. <laughs> and it sees the Summers girls and is like, Hey, that one's checking out. I I better head to the parking lot. <laughs> and guess which sensible four-door sedan might be theirs. Do you think their license plate is S-U-M-M-R-S? Like Yeah, definitely. Or a Z maybe at the end. Summers. Um, Yeah. yeah, Sorry, that laughing fit caused me to not only lean back in my chair, but to hit my chin into the microphone. So (laughs) really good one for the Queller peak. Um, They get home. um, The whole happy family, Joyce, Dawn, Buffy, and Mr. Queller. And (laughs) Joyce is like, yo, the lights are hurting me. They turn off all the lights. It's really creepy, actually. Um, There's a real, I mean, I know that this is a fantasy slash horror show, but it's a very particular episode where they really go hard on horror and they go hard in this episode and they pan out and you see all the lights one by one turning off inside the house. And we cut 
to the woods where a helicopter, they love a helicopter in season five. Let me tell you what, a helicopter is, is just swishing away, blowing all the dust and out come all of the boys with their berets. And Riley's like, hey boys, <laughs> I got this alien. Uh, I got, he apparently Riley carried with him some vials with which to capture the protein alkaloid, which I tried to look up what that is. And what I found was it doesn't seem to be a thing, but hey, scientists let us know. And he's like, yo, this is not a sub tea. It's an extra tea. Bum, bum, bum. I mean. <laughs> okay. And then we go back to the Summer's house. The creature is in the house and I quit the podcast. <laughs> I well, can't. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I do think that it's really cool camera work that they do for what I call Queller vision. <laughs> We're <laughs> looking through the Queller demon's eyes. It's sort of this like fishbowl kind of a, a shot. And we see Joyce come down the stairs undetected by her daughters. She goes into the kitchen. She very quickly burns something. The timing's a little off on that, but she very quickly burns something. The girls run into the kitchen and she has yet another out burst where she says, I'm making breakfast, but not for you to Buffy. You're disgustingly fat. So again, just these sentences that like would never come out of Joyce's mouth as a character that we know and that we know that Buffy and Dawn know about their mom. And then... Oof, they get Joyce to bed. It's, this is upsetting for so many reasons because one of the oh more God. horrific scenes happens while Joyce is in bed. But Joyce is in bed and Dawn goes in and Joyce says, don't touch me to Dawn, you thing. And then she very interestingly says, you're a shadow, which was the title of the last... Of the previous episode. Yeah, of the last episode. Um, So... Dawn is really upset because, as she says to Buffy, people keep saying these things to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Buffy is really good, I think, about this. Like, she's sort of like, you know, Dawn, listen, like, sometimes when something goes wrong, um, it's like a short circuit. So it feels to the people that are saying this to you like nothing is real except for them. As somebody had panic attacks I will say that I thought it was an interesting and pretty accurate depiction of what a panic attack can feel like um, where nothing feels real except for you it, it's like sort of like a dissociative state is what mm. Buffy is describing um, and she's using it in this instance to comfort Dawn to and to also kind of like lead Dawn off of the scent if you will it's also particularly ragged right before this after Joyce has said all of these things that are like really upsetting to Dawn and she runs out of the room and in the same breath Joyce is just like oh Dawn honey what's wrong yeah as Dawn is running it's like so ugh yeah yeah this is not there's a lot going on and and we talked about it last episode this like demarcation of um sort of like fantasy and not and the lines are blurring in this episode because Joyce is sick and we know that and we've gotten confirmation but we also now are dealing with the fact that Joyce's symptoms are starting to blend with the fantastical storyline because she has looked at Dawn and seen something that the patients who have been attacked by Glory have seen of Dawn. So it's it's getting muddy and confusing. Um, so you know where we should go? How about... <laughs> 
to Xander staring up at a model of the solar system suspended from the ceiling. It's a library. We haven't been in a library in so long. How fun. Sure, 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 sure. Yes, great. But in this library is a model of the solar system suspended from the ceiling. And Xander says, look at how teeny Mercury is compared to Saturn. Whereas when you look at cars of the same name, <laughs> implying that... Well, the cars are like the same size. It's so weird. Is that what and, he says? Like, up until I chimed in with, oh, the cars are the same size. It's so weird. But yeah, that's his line, which is, again, a lovely diversion from everything else that's going on in this episode. <laughs> so, okay. The best line in the episode, I think, happens in the library, which is when Xander refers to the queller demon as a killer snot monster and uh giles like he's basically like why do we have to be at this library um for a killer snot monster and giles without really thinking through what he's saying turns to xander and goes because it's a killer snot monster from outer space i mean he's got a point he does have a point um and but i don't know if that makes it uh like really even any worse or more worthy of uh study well i think that it's nice that they are at least giving a nod to us as the viewer of like because this is really out of the realm of buffy i mean we yeah we have seen uh, not to borrow riley's language but we've seen a lot of sub t's and never any extra t's um on this show and so i think that it i think that it's nice that they uh, in addition to giving us this horrific uh, alien demon are at least acknowledging that this is a bit out of the universe um, for us and so therefore for the Scoobies too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jenny, if I can ever find this book called Meteors and You! Exclamation point, I'm going to get it for you <laughs> because it seems like something you would love to have. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds like exactly what I'm missing. And this is when we learn about you know, Willow is really... You know what? You know what Willow fucking deserves in this episode is her goddamn jingle. She has slayed two vampires and she's about to put some important pieces of information together give it to her who knows the square root of 1225 willow who's gentle of heart and nimble with a hard drive willow 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 so Willow is like, hey, so there's only been one other meteor, like, sort of like large scale meteor crashing to Earth, and it's called the Tunguska. Is that how she pronounced it? Um, that sounds right. And it's actually it's actually incorrect. The library needs to check their sources because um, this is something that did really happen, but it didn't happen in 1917. It happened in 1908, which is an odd mistake to make because everywhere I looked, it says 1908, and they said <laughs> 1917. But yeah, so this was a um, a large explosion that um, happened in Russia um, in June of 1908, uh, and it flattened an estimated 80 million trees of the forest. Eyewitness reports. Holy shit! I know. Eyewitness reports suggest that at least three people might have died in the event, but it was in the woods, very similar to what we're seeing here. Um, and then it's it's generally attributed. This is from a Wikipedia article to uh, the air burst of a meteor. Ride. It's classified as an impact event, even though no impact crater was found. The object is thought Whoa. to have, yeah, the object is thought to have disintegrated at an altitude of uh, three to six miles above the Earth, rather than actually hitting the surface of the Earth. So this is like real. This is very Holy real. And um, 
pretty crazy, right? So the war- the Earth is crawling with queller demons, is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, Russia, they were in Russia, but we know how they get around, so mm. they could be anywhere now. Yeah, oh, they could be on any ceiling. <laughs> yeah, or below anybody's RAV4 at any time, so. <laughs> hey! <laughs> That's the car that Jenny drives, in case you were wondering <laughs> why she's upset uh, with me. <laughs> not anymore, gotta throw them off the scent. <laughs> so, um... Anyway, Willow is linking the fact that there were these mass reports of insanity linked with the um, meteor crashes and then the summoning of this, what they learn, queller demon, um, which is, again, the name is derived from quelling, which is, again, not to repeat myself, but really fucked up, um, these human beings who have been um, affected by, we, I guess, we're to believe glory. Like, this is just, like, glory through the centuries. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they call Riley. Riley is at the hospital, and he's lying about being with the initiative. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's actually not the initiative. It's a post-initiative military subset. Ah, uh, the Black Berets. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we we met them recently when Riley played basketball, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Riley <laughs> playing basketball, all right. <gasps> yeah, 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 okay. So they tried to recruit him, or Graham kind of tried to recruit him. Mm-hmm. That's when he was like, what are you, the mission's boyfriend, etc." <laughs> so um, Riley's like, just keep doing your research and let me know how to kill this thing. Um, and then Willow is like, I love how they're always like, how do we kill this thing? But usually they just like... Stab it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I just want to point out something that's important uh, for later here because this is a really hard episode, second in a row, but this one's even harder than last episode for sexual tension. Um, so I want to point out here that on the phone with Willow, uh, Riley says to Willow that intern Ben told me dot dot dot. To which I say, show me the tape of Riley and Ben talking to each other about yeah, stuff. Wow. Huh? that might be too much caramel for one uh, <laughs> one lens you know what I mean oh turning a hard corner from sexy men to <laughs> puddles of gasoline eyeballs looking down oh, at yeah. Joyce Ooh. yeah Joyce is talking up to the ceiling kind of rambling Dawn can hear her through the wall and is having a hard time Buffy is doing dishes and listening to this song you know the one that's like Sorry, I have to do the whole thing. That's the song and it just loops everything I just did over and over and over again. And what happens if you have the closed captioning on? Oh, I know. I saw. What happens if you have the closed captioning on when this song starts? It just says in brackets Spanish, yep. even though the song is instrumental. Yep. It says Spanish with a music note next to it. So, great. oh, I didn't get the music note on my end. Oh, I got a music note next to a Maybe it was a glitch. Spanish. Yeah. Nice work, everybody. But I, I will say, first of all, Jenny, incredible performance. Thank you for that. Thank you. That's actually this week's song. We put it in the middle of the episode. <laughs> nice. Um, so, I love this, though. Um, I love the setup of Buffy at 
the sink, doing the dishes, having turned on music, any music, it doesn't matter what it is, even the fact that the mood of the music is in complete contrast with what she's going through. And she's just sobbing at the sink. It just reads really true to me and really powerful yeah. to me that like these moments when you whenever you're going through something in your life that is devastating you couldn't script it you can't script it i mean i guess technically in this case they did literally script it but you you can't predict the moments that are going to undo you, the places in which you're going to lose it. It's never the places where you think it's going to be, and it's never with the setting you think it's going to be. Um, and so I just think that there's something really powerful about that and about, you know, the the larger image here, which is that Buffy is carrying fucking everything in this uh, episode. I mean, <laughs> in the series, she carries a lot too, but with the Summers family right now, she is managing Dawn. She's managing Joyce. She's managing Dawn not being her biological sister. She's, you know what I mean? Like she's, she's managing all of this and she's completely alone with it. Yeah, man. And you know, wouldn't it be nice if she had an available partner uh, who was willing to take on some of her <laughs> emotional burden and share it with her? But no! Are you jumping? Are you jumping to Spike? <laughs> oh, my God. No, I was just like lamenting the fact that like up until this point, Riley has been like pretty there and she just doesn't seem to either want to or be able to lean on him for anything. Right. Which is right. unfortunate because he's so sturdy. Well, if he just hid in the basement looking through her old photographs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get there. Right. Uh, before we get there. Joyce is continuing to talk up at the ceiling, and I have terrible news, listeners. Oh, terrible, oh, terrible, oh, terrible news because bad. she's not just talking to the ceiling. She's talking to the Queller demon who's on the ceiling, kind of like propped up slash down on the, its arms uh, in a slumber party pose. Yeah, the Queller demon has really practiced for this close-up. You know, like, he's kind of, like, got himself, like, a smoky eye. Like, he's just, like, he's he's looking a little faded, a little creepy, a little old-timey. He's uh -huh, really worked uh -huh. on his pose. It's all in all. What do you think it says that even though I told you that the Queller demon is being portrayed by two women, that you keep <laughs> referring to it as a he? I guess it men just, are disgusting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding, boys. Obviously just kidding. Also, Kristen said it, not me. Um, my notes in this scene uh, get equally disjointed as they did when I first saw the Queller Demon. I will read them to you. Each um, phrase ends with an exclamation point. Just the letter Q exclamation point, pukes exclamation point, dawn exclamation point, coat rack exclamation point, runs exclamation point, screams exclamation point, Buffy can't hear exclamation point, dawn exclamation point, doors exclamation point, woo exclamation point. <laughs> and that's the podcast, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Yo, amazing work, first of all. Thank Second you. of all, this Queller dropping down on Joyce, the worst. Dawn busting in and immediately grabbing the coat rack. Fuck yeah. Feet first is like, ba-doom. That rocks. Great job, Dawn. I also really love amazing. how she does it and then she immediately is like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Well, everything is a process. Yeah, no, totally. I just think it's really but believable. Like, she like runs around getting all the doors closed and is like, <laughs> and then opens the door to be like, <laughs> It's really good. This is 
is Don's best work to date. Yeah, yeah. It's really fantastic. Maybe this is Don's best episode. Yeah, well. So then uh, Buffy's there and she's like, you guys stay here. I got this. We see Joyce holding Don and saying, like, it's okay, my oh, baby, it's okay. But not before and- Joyce peels off the fucking oh, gelatinous yeah. fucking... Sorry. Ju- you didn't like Jello, Joyce? Well, you got a fucking face full of it. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, okay, so yes, then it's sweet, and she's holding Don. So, well, it's sweet, but Don also looks, like, a little hollow in the eyes, I feel like, while this is happening. Yeah. Like, a little bit like, do I believe this or nay? Well, she's, like, very she's, traumatized. Uh, she's super traumatized, I'm sure yeah. things will get better for her in the next few episodes. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Buffy's uh fighting the Queller demon all around the house and um is interrupted, we think, by the Queller demon coming up from the basement. But no, lo, it's Spike, and he's here <laughs> because he was just stealing some junk from her basement. Uh, as he quickly stuffs what Buffy momentarily clocks as photographs of her into his jacket pocket just before the Queller demon in a very timely fashion, uh, pops back in to attack again. The line that Spike has when he first appears, where he's like, did you hear a noise, is <laughs> so, <laughs> the best comedy of all time. This is like completely yeah. unannounced. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you hear something? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, to those of you, there were a couple of you who wrote in um, our last Sexual Tension Awards, and you were like, what about Spike and uh, the sweater, Buffy's sweater? And so since um, Spike has now two episodes in a row uh, sort of broken into Buffy's uh, house, room, whatever, and stolen her things, I will say we did discuss it and we decided against giving sexual attention awards to Spike if he is uh, removing Buffy's possessions without permission. So (laughs) (laughs) no, sir. No, thank you. Actually, yes, 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 yes. Should mm-hmm. we go? Should we go to the sexual tension awards before we get to the end? I think I have all of my nominees ready. Sure. I have no nominees, so I can't wait to hear what you have. Great. Let's do this. Sexual award. My nominees, which I texted you while I was doing my watch, are uh, and then in the second slot, um, and then in the third <laughs> slot, Hmm. And then in the fourth slot. <laughs> I uh, hope yours are a little more compelling than mine. I hope that they are. Wow, I'm never on this side of the line getting to hear the nominations as a surprise. And I right, I normally tell we normally discuss before, but since I had to mine this episode for these four, I decided to not tell Jenny. So um bear with me, everyone. They're all stretches, okay? Um, I'm going to nominate. Tara and Willow looking at the stars. <laughs> okay, that seems legit. You know, they're probably going to make out right after that, except for them, the meteor. So, you know. Next up, we have uh, Xander and his boyfriend, Riley. They're in a fight. You know, things can get a little sexy when you're mad at somebody. I'm just <laughs> saying. Third up, Jenny, I have Riley and his beret boys um, because I think they want to go to the bar after this and let off a little steam, if you know what I mean. Yes, I know what you mean. Apparently, I am really for men on men in this sexual tension watch because the fourth and final nominee that I could squeeze out of this episode is the missing scene between intern Ben and Riley. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that's where my vote's going. You can follow us at Buffering Cast for what probably will be the weakest, least cared about vote off in sexual tension award <laughs> history at Buffering Cast. See you over there. Thank you so much. So Spike, uh, Spike tosses a knife to Buffy in the most careful way ever. It's very sweet. <laughs> it's kind of like how you hand somebody a pair <laughs> of scissors. <laughs> uh, and Buffy stabs the shit out of the Queller Demon. Oh, <laughs> God. Nice. And this is like, this is definitely. Like oh, my God. They're like, we worked so hard on the mouth. Could you just make sure you really <laughs> emphasize the mouth? And then, like, the Quill Demon's dying. Do you think, like, Sarah Michelle Geller pissed somebody off this day where they were like, you know how it's going to die? It's going to nestle its little bug <laughs> head in the crook of your neck. <laughs> it's so horrible. I feel so bad for Buffy for so many reasons, but maybe this yeah, is the this worst is the thing one. that has or will ever happen to her is the Quill Demon curling up and dying like a fucking baby in her arms. yeah yes so riley busts in like too little too late with his crew and he walks right in on um spike helping buffy up from underneath the queller demon and um then we cut to a really sad moment where buffy is holding dawn and her mom and saying, oh. I killed it. Everything is all right, which is like truly the epitaph. Epitaph? Is that what you say? Epilogue? No, the thing on a head. Well, epitaph is the thing that goes yeah, on a headstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I could see that as Buffy's, <laughs> Buffy's epitaph, ah. epitaph. I killed it. Everything is all right now. It's just like, <laughs> oh, you yeah. Know, like, I did it. Stone. I did it. Um, I did the thing I'm supposed to do. And um, yeah. <sighs> And then, and then, because we just can't have nice things, <laughs> Kristen, it's dragging the backseat of Ben's car, oh. being all like, why just summon the queller, my dude? <laughs> and Ben's like, I'm cleaning up Glory's mess like I have my whole life. And we're like, oh, Ben and Glory know each other for their whole, or his whole life? What? Oh, my God. Uh, and then Drag says, like, he's like, I just want to know why. I, like, it's so weird. If Ben's been doing this his whole life, why right. is drag like well, maybe requiring now? What is your we don't motivation? Know, we don't Lord. know the lifespan or the um, career span of minions, you know? Oh, that's true. Like maybe drag is newer or like wasn't around right, right. the last time <laughs> He's the, Ben The rookie up. minion. The rookie minion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize until I was again on Wikipedia for this episode that Drag is played by Kevin Wiseman, who yes. was most notably, I think, Marshall Flinkman on Alias, but also plays Dale Yorks on The Runaways. He's one of the parents of The Runaways, yes. as is James Marsters. What do you think about those apples? Wow, I love those apples. Thank you, Jenny. You're welcome. Also, I was furiously wikiing over here during the taping of this episode to ensure that as my brain was connecting some dots, Ben Queller, the singer-songwriter, did not start releasing solo music until 2002, so I do not believe I can make a case that the Queller demon being connected to Ben is some kind of singer-songwriter Ben Queller reference. I don't think so. 
<laughs> oh my God, Ben Queller. I haven't thought of that name in a long time. I know. Wow. Okay, so let's go to a just the worst ending of an episode. Not. I'm not talking about quality. I'm just talking about my heart. Um, so we go to the hospital and, um, Joyce is about to go into surgery, which is how this ends is Joyce being wheeled into surgery. But before we get there, um, Joyce says to Buffy, I, I had this, like, she's sort of, sort of trying to, she's doing a good job at like describing these experiences that she's having and like with words that she has, because she can't possibly compare these experiences to anything else. Um, and she said, like, I had, it was like, I had this knowledge, um, that Dawn and she just looks at Buffy and she says, she's not mine. Is she? And Mm. Jenny, if it's okay with you, I'd like to play a little clip of this exchange that they have. She does belong to us though. Yes, she does. And she's important to the world. Precious. As precious as you are to me. Then we have to take care of her. Buffy, promise me. If anything happens, I don't come through this. Mom. No, listen to me. No matter what she is, she still feels like my daughter. I have to know that you'll take care of her. That you'll keep her safe. That you'll love her like I love you. do without you oh yeah oh my god i love this this is a lot because so much is happening in this moment um first of all it's buffy first of all it's like where where does buffy get her buffiness, right? Like she's the slayer, but she's also Joyce's daughter. And Buffy's first response really to learning about Dawn was like, she took a minute and then she was like, but she's my sister and I have to care for her. And Joyce's, oh, have like full body chills. Joyce's first response to learning this is the same, um, is to say, I know that she is not mine, but I know that she belongs to us and she needs yeah. us. And because of that, we have to help her. <sighs> I knew I was going to get like a little emotional, but it was, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm just about to get my period. And, <laughs> and then the second layer of this for me is that the last thing that Joyce says to Buffy before she's wheeled into surgery is, my sweet, brave Buffy, what would I do without you? And Sarah Michelle Keller, man, you can see in her eyes the line she doesn't say, which is, I'm afraid of what I would do without you. But I, yeah, there's man. not space for that here. I have to be strong for you. And it's just a lot, okay? Yeah, it is. Thanks for the fucking goosebumps, Kristen. Uh, I didn't do it. 
Joyce. <laughs> um, it's just Sarah. Yeah, it's really emotional. And, yeah. um, you know, I guess we'll just see where this takes us. Um, but for now, I think we're left in this episode seeing we talk so much about the power of chosen family in this. And this is like this blend of, you know, blood kin and um, mm-hmm. chosen kin and um, the power that they have in holding each other up. And we saw we saw what the Scoobies did this whole episode for Buffy. They gave her the space to have this experience um, and to not be, I mean, granted, she did eventually have to stab a horrible queller demon, but they gave her the space to be with her mom and they gave her the space to be there for Dawn. And um, then at the end, we see the power of the Summers family and the Summers women. Yeah. And- that's why this show is so good. I tweeted earlier today on the day of the recording of this um, a screen cap of Giles saying like whatever his space alien quote is. And somebody replied and they said, you know, what's incredible is that this ridiculously hilarious line falls in an episode that is also so emotionally resonant and powerful. Um, yeah. That's this show. That is this show. That is this show. You are not wrong. And on that note, I'd like to close out our discussion of the episode by touching on the very last scene, which is a whole group of Scoobies assembled Mm -hmm. at the entrance to the OR hallway Mm -hmm. at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And everybody's looking pretty serious. Mm -hmm. And Joyce is rolling away. And she looks remarkably calm. And I think part of it is because of like the conversation she just had with Buffy. Like it it seems like some, some like, like small weight has been lifted off of her. Yeah. And she's got one arm like bent up behind her head. Mm. And she's just got like a real like waza pose <laughs> kind of going. And in my head cannon, in her other hand, she is smoking a joint <laughs> on her way to surgery. A beautiful image, Jenny. Saying, what will be, will be. <laughs> Life is a beautiful circle uh, from the moment we arrive on the planet. And step blinking into the sun, mm. everything the light touches, mm-hmm. except the elephant graveyard. It is, um, etc. It is interesting what you said. I know that you're you were making a beautiful last image for us, and I'm just gonna like fucking shatter it. But I, but I do think it's interesting that what you said that like she looks relieved, and you wonder like, and I don't know if this is what you meant if that relief comes from like the realization that part of her experience was very real getting confirmation from Buffy that what she had perceived was true and it does like also I would like to end the episode by talking about that that overlap that like Joyce is going into surgery for medical reasons but some of her symptoms or manifestations overlap with the mystical so uh, things are getting murky um and we'll see where they go we will indeed what an episode well what an episode so (laughs) you know what comes at the end of the episode the part where i say i'm jenny owen youngs and when i'm not watching buffy i'm usually writing and recording songs you can learn more about me at jennyowenyoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Hey, I have a new EP out called Night Shift. You can hear it on digital platforms or buy a physical copy on my website. You can also hear me talk about another petite blonde protagonist over on my other podcast, Veronica Mars Investigations. 
I like that every single episode you call her a petite blonde protagonist. <laughs> well, she is. <laughs> Um, I am Kristen Russo. You can find out more about what I'm doing when I'm not uh, talking about Buffy or uh, receiving many, many screen caps of Queller Demons from uh, Jenny Owen Young's on my phone uh, on my website, which is kristennoline.com. Somebody tweeted last uh, episode and said I was all ready for Kristen's jingle and she didn't play it. Do you know why? <laughs> I, d- I, don't, I don't play it every episode, but since I offended you so, I will play Please my Please remind jingle. the people. Yes. Kristen with an eye, N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Yes, that is how you spell my name and find my website. I do work with LGBTQ communities. Uh, I've been recently uh, doing Skype calls with middle school and high school GSAs. Um, you can check my Patreon, my personal Patreon out um, to see how you can support that work because I am donating those talks and it's been really amazing. Um, and I also have a another podcast that is Oh, like one to two episodes away from being over. Joanna Robinson and I uh, went through each of the 19 episodes of My So-Called Life uh, on The Boiler Room. So go and check that out if you haven't. Um, It's a nice little series to go through. It's very powerful. And we've had a good time making it. So how about us? How about our podcast, Jenny? Buffering the Vampire Slayers on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail at area code 216, that's Cleveland, 30BUFFY. Ah, you can support the work that we do in a few ways. You can go on over to our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. You can become part of our Patreon family. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can purchase merchandise in our store. And right now, we told you this in the intro, but we do have the um, Be the Thing That Monsters Have Nightmares About t-shirt for sale, which is raising money to help those affected by the fires in Australia. Um, All of that and more, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Um, and um, if you've already rated and reviewed us, you can rate and review Angel on top because they love your love as well. Hell yeah. And hey, till next time. Uh, uh, Queller Demon. No. <laughs> Nothing you can
Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm, not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.